with the rise in um, anti-Semitic speech, hatred, uh, intolerance in our community, I think our message is just really uh, important. Today's episode is sponsored by Encourage X, where you can manage all of your encouragement needs in one place, personal, authentic, and consistent. EncourageX.com, where relationships mean everything. Welcome to this episode of Our Voices Matter. And since I launched this podcast, I have been wanting to talk with Kelly Zuniga, the Executive Director of Holocaust Museum Houston. First of all, we're friends, and so I love talking with you. But secondly, um, the work that the museum does is so critically important, especially at this moment in history, I would Mm -hmm. venture to say. And you've got a lot of exciting things going on. So first tell us about the the new campus that is about to open. open. Right. Well, it is going to open to the public on June 22nd. And it's a really unusual uh, project because it is part renovation and part new. A lot of people don't really realize that. So the right half of the museum was kept to the beautiful slope, the cylinder, iconic architecture. And then on the left side, it was destroyed. So we have increased our square footage almost threefold. It'll be going from 21,000 to 57,000 oh square feet. But the most interesting, I think, of the renovation is the fact that we took our Danish rescue boat We lifted a 4.2-ton boat and put it inside our museum. And then we took our German rail car and we did the same. And they literally are head-to-head within our new Bearing Witness exhibition, which are just really powerful, powerful artifacts. Well, that just gives me chills thinking about that visual Mm -hmm. of the the German rail car and the Danish rescue boat. So it's a discussion from the standpoint when you're with a docent and you're in that space, it's so important that they talk about if you're going to be a perpetrator, that was a choice that they made, but then you can be an upstander as well. So really that contradiction of seeing what hatred did, but then looking at the Danish rescue boat where they made a positive choice. And they rescued over 7,000 Jewish citizens that were Danes of their own fruition and crossed the sea to Sweden to safety with those individuals underneath the decks of their fishing boats. Wow. So we're the only one, uh, only Holocaust Museum in the United States that has a Danish rescue boat. So it's pretty, pretty exciting. Very exciting. Why is the museum's work so important? Well, I think, especially from a timing standpoint, I think it's important overall, of course, but with the rise in um, anti-Semitic speech, hatred, uh, intolerance in our community, I think our message is just really uh, important. And teaching youth, teaching students is so, so very important about the lessons of the Holocaust as it relates to today and how can we utilize those lessons fighting hatred apathy prejudice to change behavior to open up their eyes from that standpoint of the importance of acceptance and civility in our community 
Interesting. So how long have you been with the museum now? It'll be six years when we open the okay. uh, new museum. Okay. So I'm wondering if you have witnessed any changes in the conversations that are happening mm-hmm. as people go through the museum from six years ago to where we are now. What, what is the difference, if there is any? I, I think there is a, a heightened awareness about the increase of hatred within our community. And so they're very interested in learning more about the history and the impact that the Nazis had prior to the Holocaust beginning, the murdering of six million Jews and several other non-Jews. But uh, that process of how did we get there and the power of propaganda, the power of misinformation, People seem to be very, very interested in the steps that were involved so that they could actually achieve that Holocaust, what they had to do beforehand. Well, that, that gives me hope mm-hmm. to hear that people are looking at what led up to the Holocaust mm-hmm. because it didn't just happen. No, it didn't. It happened over, like, the seeds were planted mm-hmm. over a period of time. And it's one of the reasons I know that that you and others who are doing the work that you're doing are so passionate about it is that you have to you have to know what the history is mm-hmm. and you have to be able to look back and relate then to whatever you're seeing now where Today. there might be some similarities and right. there are some the would you agree yeah i i really would in fact i think you hit it right on the head as relevance making it relevant to the community that comes in and is exposed to the historical facts. But then we have a new challenging exhibition area which is centered on human rights. So it's the next chapter after the horrific murdering that occurred in the Holocaust. Then the society came together and in the late 40s established the human rights movement. So as a result, this gallery focuses on what did we learn from the Holocaust and how did the human rights movement and the articles of their human rights movement impact our society today. And so we take a look at it from the standpoint of a history and factual history of the UN and its impact in society in general. But then something that I'm really excited about is we focus on exemplars. And we focus on common, everyday people that made a tremendous difference in our society by their activism and by speaking out about the importance of human rights for their particular ethnicity group or a work group or whatever it was. So I think that relevance, people are going to identify with themselves today in that gallery and learn a lot. And something I'm very proud about that gallery is that we decided that it was important to not be a passive visitor, but to take action. And so as a result, in the Human Rights Gallery, we have highlighted six nonprofit entities that are focused on human rights specifically. So the right to food, the right to shelter, the right to clean water so and so forth. So these charities and their information regarding how they, the work that they're doing in Houston, but more importantly, how do you get involved? How can you contact this person? That's the interactive part. That's the interactive part. So we hope that 
It's not a passive learning experience that after you walk out of our museum, you'll be ready and armed with the information so that you too can participate and make a difference in society. You mentioned earlier um, about some of the work that the museum is doing with young people today. Can mm -hmm. you elaborate on that a little bit and let our yeah. audience know how you're reaching out to young people and how they're responding? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm very, actually very proud because there are eight other Holocaust museums throughout the United States. Of course, there's the USHMM, which is the, the pinnacle, but that is a federally funded institution. So the other eight are all privately funded. And I'm very pleased to say that our education staff has been exemplary in reaching out and creating wonderful programs by which we target schools that might not necessarily have the ability to come to our museum. Mm -hmm. So for instance, we have a program called Educator in Motion, and we have a series of three educators that go out to schools. We focus on Title I institutions, and they go into the social study class, and they teach the unit, there's 12 to choose from, teach that particular unit on the Holocaust or genocide history to those students, and then we give them a free opportunity to come to our museum to visit it in person. So that outreach, we uh, taught 35,000 students doing that last year. So that um, we're really proud about, that exposure. But also it's connecting us with communities that we never would have had the opportunity to meet. Because why? They can't afford the field trip. They can't afford the opportunity to come and see us. So we're providing that opportunity as a result. What kinds of um, reactions are you getting from students who are visiting the museum for the first time, particularly from the communities that you just referenced? I think they're uh, really excited to be there. In many cases, uh, it's, it's really uh, touching because a lot of these children have never been in a museum before in their life. And so they, their eyes are so big and very much interested in what they're learning and I think the opportunity for them to meet a survivor is, an, is they'll never forget it. So yes, I think it's very impactful for them. I think that they go home and talk to their parents about it. I think that they return in many cases. Uh, but it's, it's really been wonderful to see in their faces like that aha moment. Mm -hmm. Like I can relate to this because of my personal situation or my past history. Right. So as, as you know, this, this podcast is all about um, asking people to share stories of, of a time when they felt like they were the other. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you know, the Holocaust Museum and everything that it stands for is obviously a, a huge example of, of that and mm -hmm. what can happen right. when you other someone. Mm -hmm. You're not like me. Right. I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. You are outside. So um, I'd like to ask you on a personal level, mm -hmm. have you ever had that kind of an experience? And if so, would you share it with us and explain how that um, feeds into and, and impacts the work that you're doing today? Well, actually not on a personal level, but I did have an experience that literally took my breath away. When I was giving a tour to some young students, they were high school students, and in the tour, we do bring the class inside the German rail car. And we talk about how 
they were crammed a hundred plus within the rail car. They often traveled for as many as three days without water, toilet facilities, no food, very, very hot, very extreme conditions, and then ultimately arrived at the concentration camp destination. Many of them had died along the way. So talking about that, there was a young man that was from Central America who was getting off of the rail car and exiting it. And he turned to me and he said, I can really relate to this experience. And what he was talking about was his journey from Central America to the United States. And it just really um, impacted me because you don't think that, you know, he related to that story and how painful that whole experience for him was. And I, I just thought that, boy, that really just hits home as mm -hmm. far as when we talked about making it relative to and, and so that they can understand and grasp it, but then build empathy as a result of understanding it. That's really the essence of what we're doing here is building empathy and making people understand through the trials of other individuals how important it is to care about others. So it's, it was very powerful. I'll, I'll never forget it. Wow. Oh, I can, we're both sitting here choking back tears, <laughs> trying not to, not to, uh, not to cry. But it, you know, when you, you hear a story like that and you see how important it is to um, keep this work going yes. and it, 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 it blows my mind that, you know, there are people out there who still say the Holocaust never happened. Right. Deniers exist. Well, I, I don't understand that. You know, it, it's, it reinforces the importance of education at all levels. Yeah. For me, uh, it, it, it's kind of it's amazing when you meet a denier, but I try to look at it from the perspective as how did they get to that point. And they were taught to hate. They were taught. You're not born hating. You're taught by adults that surround you to hate. And so our job is to educate them and to challenge them to think differently. And I think it's very possible to turn a denier and to give them that information in um, a factual sense that they can't possibly <laughs> refute it. Mm -hmm. It is possible to do that. Some people, of course, never will want to listen. But to see a young child, like a teenager, be a denier, and you realize that this was all taught. They just didn't come up with it on their own. And, uh, and the importance of education from a very young age to uh, really have the facts available to them to teach the importance of acceptance and, and how that message should be carried throughout you know, all of our education principles. Have you ever had a, a teenage denier walk into the, the museum Mm -hmm. um, believing obviously that this never happened uh -huh. and then walk out having changed his or her mind? Well, I actually have a really interesting story. Um, I had a teen that was, let's see, I think he was a senior and he was uh, etching a swastika within our wall in the core exhibition. And so our police officer caught him in the act and we, they wanted to prosecute right there, you know, hate crime. 
But um, no, I thought it was much more important to take an approach of educating this person. And he was, he was troubled, definitely. He did not have support in his home life. And uh, we asked him to come for two consecutive weekends to spend time with our education staff. And he did, and he was, he was a complete convert by the end of those two weekends. So I think we broadened his horizons, and he didn't at the time really understand how horrible it was what he was doing. He just didn't grasp it. And so that was a fascinating you know, event to witness and to see also, wow, education does make a difference. So you could easily have let the police take him away, mm-hmm. and he could have been prosecuted, and the right. whole trajectory of his life would have changed. Right, and we weren't going to do that to him. We want to. I think spending the time and caring about an individual that just might not know. Empathy. Empathy is Empathy. so important. So so yeah. important. Yeah, and, and acknowledging someone else's point of view, um, and trying to understand the genesis of it. Yes. Not just. Mm-hmm. attacking it mm-hmm. or you know you're a bad person right but understanding where it comes from mm-hmm. that it was taught behavior exactly that's and, really and our philosophy can undo that absolutely and i yeah. think that uh, like you said thoughtfulness as far as how did this originate how can we work with this person to spend the time so that they have better understanding. And he was willing to understand. I'm sure, you know, it could have been an individual just refused to listen. But in this case, um, he did want to understand. He wanted to know what he had done that was so horrible and why. So, uh, you know, every situation is different, but I just think education is the key. How do we take this approach on a very, you know, granular granular level mm-hmm. this is one story but how do we take this approach and bring it into our entire civil discourse to help bring us together I, I just think uh, it was really interesting we had Nicholas Kristoff uh, as our speaker at our luncheon uh, two days ago and he talked about the importance of empathy in our society and how one drop one drop in a bucket multiplied by millions and millions of people to make a difference really did matter. That sometimes the way we look in our society is that I really am not having an impact. And he said that is so, so very untrue because that one drop from millions and millions of people and their effort towards um, acceptance and fighting prejudice and standing up to hatred that all of that can make a huge difference over the uh, over your uh, you know a lifetime of a generation of people and I really believe in that that's something that I believe so when we talk about exposure we're talking about as many s- schools that we can collaborate with um, programming, unique programming in our new building because now we have a performing arts theater. So learning the, the lessons of those Holocaust and creative uh, applications through art, through film, through dance, through opera, that is our message. So as much as we can do. I've never asked you this question before, but what brought you personally to this type of work? I think it's because uh, my doctor is in education, and I am just the biggest believer in education will will save our society. And I thought that this message was so important. 
and uh, I wanted to be able to make a difference in our in our incredible city that we have. We're so blessed with the diversity and just the relationships that we have with all of our different institutions within the museum districts, the theater arts, our, our academic partners, and I just felt that this was just a unique opportunity to make a difference. So I feel very blessed. If there were one thing that you would want people to take away from our conversation today and um, the stories that you've shared and what mm -hmm. you're trying to achieve with the Holocaust Museum, what would you want that one takeaway to be? I would say that it's really important to be an upstander in your life. That's a terminology that we use in our museum. I think it pretty much is self-explanatory. But by being an upstander in your behavior and how you treat others and acceptance, and just to remember that, you know, it's so, so very important to think of others that are less fortunate and that they have needs and to always remember those that are less fortunate in general. We, we, uh, we feel that in many times the upstanders are responsible for speaking up for those that cannot voice. They don't have a voice. And that is an important, important message. Well, this podcast is Our Voices Matter. Mm -hmm. All of those voices matter. Yeah. And yours is just, just a beautiful voice to add to the conversation that we're having. So thank you yeah. so much for sharing all of the, the incredible work that the museum is doing. Well, thank I you. I look forward to going to the, the grand opening of the new one. I'm looking forward to having you there. Yes, yes. And, and um, we'll continue you know, making sure that all these voices get heard. Absolutely. So, thank and you. thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks so much for coming. And thank you so much for watching and listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for giving our guest permission to speak and for having the courage to listen with an open mind. If the mission of Our Voices Matter resonates with you, please like, subscribe, download, and share, and then join the conversation because it really is going to take all of us to make a difference.